Austin, exciting Thanks. news, Austin. Oh. Today's episode has a sponsor. Oh? First ever for the show, we have a sponsor. Who is it? Well, I'll tell you, everybody. The top of the show, before we've even played the intro music. Welcome today's sponsor to the show. First ever. We're happy to bring it to you. Today's sponsor of Explaining to Austin is fentanyl. Have you tried have you tried heroin and thought to yourself, hmm, I want to kick it up a notch. <laughs> fentanyl. Uh wherever you get your drugs at the pharmacy and the alley uh fentanyl you ever come to my house and i'll give it to you you ever thought to yourself what's can i make them i i would like to experience the the most intense and worst thing condensed into the smallest amount of stuff possible fentanyl it could be for you yeah from johnson and johnson are you a cop and you want excuse to take sick leave, uh, fentanyl. Just say you touched it and it made you die. Are you a cop and your partner accidentally died because he was autoerotic asphyxiating himself? Say that he touched fentanyl and got a contact dose and died from it. You know, that's a thing that you've seen stuff like that recently, right? Oh, yeah. Cops, like, blaming fentanyl for, like, everything that happens to them. They're like, oh, they laced uh, their shoe with fentanyl, so when I patted them down, uh, it made me uh, get overdosed. That's fentanyl, folks. That's the kind. very smart. So go to fentanyl.com backslash explaining explaining to Austin, and you will get a 20% discount on the starter pack of fentanyl. Uh, and Comes also two free needles, and also you have two free needles and a, a beginner's guide to the best ways to take it. Uh, so uh, fentanyl could be right for you if you've ever thought to yourself, uh, what's a drug that if a person from the 1700s took even the smallest dose of would uh, go insane and kill their entire family? Fentanyl. It's that one. That's the slogan. Fentanyl. It's that one. Uh, Hello, everyone, and and welcome back Uh to Explaining to Austin... The only podcast that isn't racist. That's correct. The only Please. only one. I'm your host, Peyton, along with my always other host. That's me, Austin. And yes, this is the only podcast that's not racist. Every we single we checked. Every single other podcast is racist. Um, just throughout. Give me just off the top of my head. Other podcasts. Um, uh, this American Life. Race horribly racist. Um, it should be called. Go. It should be called this racist thoughts. Okay. Um, uh, what's the one? Uh, the about what's the one that 
the true crime one that everyone's my favorite murder that one racist it should be called my favorite racist and they talk my favorite about third reich yeah they it should be called that because every episode they my racist spend, murder they spend most of the time talking about how much they love jefferson davis yeah um other uh my brother ben my Shapiro. brother and me uh they should call oh. that uh my racist brother my and, aryan brother and my me. aryan brother <laughs> His Aryan brother and me. Jesus. Uh, what about the... Um, and mine. What about the Ben Shapiro show? Uh, yeah, terribly racist. Uh, I think that one's a given. Especially against the Jews. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, actually, this show is so not racist. It's the only not racist podcast that I'm, I'm intentionally leaving this show, Austin, uh, on 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 Spotify to, to try to combat... Uh, joe rogan podcast we're like the anti joe rogan right because listen all these other people they're taking their stuff off of spotify and it's like of sooner or later if everyone does that it's just gonna be uh dumb racists and dummies so i gotta leave this podcast up as as like i gotta push back you know yeah we gotta be the resistance the spark of inspiration welcome that this resistance needs. explaining to austin welcome to the resistance <laughs> welcome if you're listening you're now a part of the ira yeah um and you know um so yeah this is the only not racist podcast and uh yeah i I can get away with with saying that this is also um austin uh Mm -hmm. this podcast uh that that makes no money um is also i i feel like i can attest we're the number one source of information on uh ted kaczynski are we not i think that's also true yeah uh uh so with that in mind i wanted that recently last week uh, since the last episode there was a trailer release that i watched apparently they're making like a movie about uh ted kaczynski i mean they've made stuff before but apparently there's a new movie coming out i saw a trailer for it and it's called ted k and uh, I'm not sure if it's just like the marketing of the trailer and the real movie is different, but the trailer made it seem like it's trying to like be like action packed, like psychological thriller. When it's really, it's mostly just like a guy that's s- not what it was sitting yeah. around by himself, writing letters and mailing bombs. Um, and also in the trailer, they make it look like like when he starts writing. They, they smash cut from like a plane flying overhead in the woods he's in and then it's then it cuts and he's like putting the paper in the typewriter and starting to type and then like later in the trailer there's like some kids on dirt bikes like riding like driving past him in the woods and he's like mad he's like all right damn kids Industrial so like revolution so like in the it, it's kind of it, it, i think it's funny that you know at least in this trailer it's trying to make it look like oh yeah he did all of this because he was kind of just like grumpy and angry that like there were, loud, man. There, there were loud planes and kids on um, dirt bikes near his cabin. Yeah, that makes sense. That, that, that's the yeah. only reason, you know, not the larger thing. is just. Yeah, if you read his manifesto, that's all he talks about. It's called uh, in, Industrial... Play it down, get off my lawn. Industrial Society in my lawn and its consequences. Yeah, he's mad. He's just a grump, crotchety man. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe it'll be good. I mean, it, it looked well shot, uh, but who knows. I'm, I'm, I'm inherently skeptical. Um, he also, do you know that real Ted, uh, he got like taken to the hospital 
recently. No. Yeah, uh, he got taken, like, from, I don't know if it's, like, part of the facility or if it was, like, a different location, but he got transported to, like, a, a care unit. Um, I, I, I don't remember it saying specifically why, and I haven't seen any updates. Um, I mean, I, he hasn't died, I mean, so I haven't seen that update, but, like, I don't know if he's still there or if he's recovered or what. So, interesting. That's that's Ted Watch 2022. Ted Watch. <laughs> This is the story of a boy named Ted If his mother said Ted be good He would She told him Ted By the soldier dad Austin, um, can I Pitch you An idea for a script That I've had that I definitely Am considering writing Despite the fact that it is An insane, ridiculous idea For a movie that would probably never get made but i still am very tempted to write it because i think it's a very fun idea please i would love to be pitched to this like i'm an executive in an elevator right right okay so uh get this it's 1969 we are at the in uh, it's 1969 we're at the home of the Manson family, Spawn Ranch, in greater Los Angeles area, uh, Southern California, okay? Is this before or after? Well, um... listen, listen. Okay. The only thing is, uh, what everything you know, you thought you knew, it was a lie, Austin. Oh. We, We meet these characters on the night of their preeminent strike. We learn that Everything we know about the Manson family is wrong as we are introduced to them and see that not only is Manson uh, a, a seemingly coherent and intelligent man, but his followers a uh, passionate and intelligent group of revolutionaries who are planning an attack on none other than Hollywood director Roman Polanski, who they mm. have, who Manson through extensive research and uh and and revolutionary espionage has learned is a top level uh elite pedophile uh among a conspiracy of of high level elite ranking pedophiles and and bat wrongdoers among the the deep state among among the wealthy and elite so 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 charlie charles manson has has figured this out and because of such, uh, he has decided uh, to take matters into his and his his revolutionary group, his family's hands. So they uh, have planned a strike. We see them arrive at the Polanski house in the Hollywood Hills, and they infiltrate the compound based on this, you know, on their intel that tonight would be the best night to strike. However. Uh, they had let their hubris and fervor get ahead of them as when they breach inside the house armed and ready to take out the uh, untouchable high-level secret yet to be known to the public pedophile Roman Polanski. Turns out it was all a setup and they are uh, ambushed by a slew of intelligence agents who have set up this operation to catch these uh, revolutionary 
you know, outsider, uh, these revolutionary outsider agents, uh, you know, act, uh, in the act. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, Polanski is far away, not to be found there. Instead, these, they're, you know, a room full of intelligence agents who immediately, you know, uh, have Manson and his followers at gunpoint. Uh, and as well, in the middle of the room, Polanski's wife, uh, Sharon Tate, pregnant with child, uh, gagged and tied to a chair. The, the intelligence agents explain, you know, how, of course, we couldn't let you just take out a, a top-level member of the elite uh, just because of your, you know, little ethical and political, um, you know, ideological motivations. And so, uh, you know, we set up this uh, sting to stop you, and now we're going to turn everything on its head and turn you righteous uh, crusaders for, 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 you know, protecting human, the, the weak and innocent. We're turning it all against you. Uh, they say as they murder the pregnant Sharon Tate, right as they also then inject both Manson and his followers with a serum, thus scrambling their minds, uh, erasing the events, and making the quote-unquote crazy murderous, uh, you know, psychopaths and cult followers we have been led to believe. So, you know, all is set up to turn this group trying to kill a high-level pedophile into a group that wantonly murdered a, a pregnant lady and others, um, you know, in the name of a, a, a crazed, you know, psychedelic cult. You know, as Manson is, is, is injected, mm-hmm. he screams out, you know, uh, this isn't over, you know, I'll get vengeance one day. Uh, and then, you know, we cut and we see Manson years later babbling, you know, to himself in the cell, crazed with you know, because of this brain scrambling serum they've given him, making him the Charles Manson, you know, we all know and recognize. Uh, and then later we see him die as he did in prison. Uh, we cut and suddenly we, uh, see as if a computer screen rebooting all a first person point of view, all a RoboCop. Uh, and a man says, sir, can, sir, can you hear us? Can, you know, are you awake? Can you hear us? And we see that, Charles Manson in the year 2022 has been brought back to life. We see he has been augmented again, all a Robocop with cybernetic enhancements, uh, strength, uh, you know, minor invincibility, you know, uh, real strong, real quick, fast metabolism, etc. All with, you know, added thinking processes and intelligence of a you know cyborg we see has been brought back online by a new underground revolutionary uh fighting force of uh antifa super soldiers uh he has been reanimated with these cyborg augmentations brought back online with one sole mission in mind to travel to europe to hunt down and kill notorious pedophile roman polanski uh as well as uh, dismantle the elite conspiracy which protects him and others like him, mm. not only for his own sake of vengeance, but for revenge against the innocent Sharon Tate who died to uh, to shroud the uh, you know the conspiracy and protect the conspiracy. Charles Manson is back as a pedophile hunting cyborg action hero in Charles Manson respawn. Oh, 
good title to go with that plot. What do you think of can that, it, Austin? Can it be like, um, like when you put respawn in the title, can it be like re colon spawn? That or like a dash. Like stylistically, yeah. Yeah. you know? One of that. One of the, yeah, either a oh. colon or a dash. Oh, I love that. Just imagine like cyborg enhanced Charles Manson, like grabbing a shotgun with like, you know, like the doom style music playing. Oh, <laughs> like just, just crazy just like, metal, like. Yeah, like and cocking a shotgun and just being like. Licking his lips. It's like, let's get Elder Skelter on this bitch. <laughs> He's riding a horse. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's kind of like a, you know, just all out crazy, fun, ridiculous movie that posits that actually, what if the Manson family were the good guys and they were set up by a, an elite conspiracy? So now Charles is back. And to to set out and make things right by by killing the per by killing the person that they sh- that, that they I, you know in an ideal world would have been killed that night instead of you know the innocent the people that were. <laughs> That's how this like came about because I was like, man, it really sucks. Well, it really came about because this person that I know from like school and stuff who I follow, like they're like big into like retro shit and they're always posting like things about Sharon Tate. And then, like, some of the times, obviously, like, the pictures have Roman Polanski in them since they, you know, were married and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I'm on, always like, eh, I mean, it's kind of weird that you're just, like, chill with, like, you know, posting these things with pedophile in them. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and so, like, with that in mind, I was, like, then thinking about, like, the murder. And I was like, man, it really sucks that, like, you know, she's the one that got murdered that night, you know, rather than, like, Polanski. Yeah. And, like, think of, like, you know you know, that would have actually had, like, possibly, like, a positive impact on, like, the world, and right, that like would have general. happened, uh, and then I was, like, what if, like, you know, there was, and then I was, like, thinking of, like, what's the most, like, ridiculous, like, you know, exploitation, like, schlock, like, movie I could think of, and then it's, like, well, an action movie where cyborg Charles Manson hunts down Roman Polanski. Do you know about the, um, the D.B. Cooper movie? The one with Bigfoot or whatever? I don't know about Bigfoot, but I know there's a a D.B. Cooper movie that starts with the moment he jumps out of the plane Uh and he has his duffel bag full of, you know, $500,000 or whatever it was. Right. And like lands in the forest, pulls out a cigar, puts it in his mouth, lights a hundred dollar bill on fire and lights his cigar with it. Hmm. And that's how the movie starts. It's not like... A recreation of what may have happened right. leading up to that point. It starts with the exact moment that we don't know anything. Is it the pursuit of DB Cooper from 1981? I think that's the one. Hmm. I I've had the idea before also for a script that's like you know kind of like a very like subtle like restrained like low key kind of almost like Michael Mann, uh, you know like Thief or Heat style like crime heist thriller where like you know basically like you're given very little like exposition or information on the surface and it's very kind of almost like point of view of like just seeing like the like you know detail oriented like work of like you know this criminal and like you know the people helping him like setting up a heist and only like at the end of the movie when you're actually watching the heist take place are you like finally like let in to like realize that like oh this is like the db cooper heist like you know once you're realizing like you know you've seen throughout the movie of like you know him mentioning like you know oh yeah i need the schematics or you know i need the protocol you know for 
for flight staff on a, you know, whatever airliner. And then, you know, like him buying duffel bags and like, you know, can these, you know, what are the, you know, how do these withstand stuff, you know, and that kind of stuff. And just kind of like very intimate, like personal, like drama of like the detail oriented work of setting up a heist. And then like at the end, like in this final kind of climax as the heist goes on, are you realizing that like, oh shit, I've been watching like, you know, the, what, you know, this fictionalized, idea of like db cooper planning his heist and you know everything the the db cooper shit is literally my favorite bit of true crime like it's just so insane yeah it's like like, ridiculous and also like like, you know um, in like the ethical sense like it's not like the other stuff where it's like no one got hurt no one got hurt or killed so like you don't have to like feel bad about like randomly speculating <laughs> no i like truly respect db cooper yeah like, like didn't <laughs> like yeah there's no reason like no i don't see how anything he did was like really in the moral he, wrong like he probably didn't even have like anything you know like a bomb or whatever no no that's like. exactly it he like definitely so he, probably did the flight attendant was like like he like showed her he like passed this flight attendant. i know a lot about this like i'm, I'm really so he like he passed the flight attendant a note that was basically like his demands, right. right? Yeah. But the problem was she's like a really attractive flight attendant. Like men on planes would like try to get her information all the time, so she was like used to just taking notes and like Throwing putting them in her apron or whatever. Yeah. Well, he like noticed that on her second round through the cabin that she hadn't changed her demeanor at all. Right. She hadn't. And noticed. so he like, so he like kind of got her attention and he was like uh excuse me miss um you really want to look at that note like i really recommend it and um she like read the thing and it was like i have a bomb i want you know two hundred fifty thousand dollars and two parachutes mm-hmm. and um she looked down and his like bag at his feet was like a duffel bag full of like red sticks of dynamite and wires yeah but the problem is dynamite's not red it's yellow oh, so stop. like he definitely had a it's bag like, full of road flares yeah like comic or like like, <laughs> like acme yeah. brand like dynamite yeah. sticks from a looney tunes cartoon yeah so he straight up just bluffed like he yeah. was like yeah these are this is a bomb but it's like definitely just road flares oh really and um because they're red um so were dynamite sticks red at one point like no they like, like the dynamite hundreds or something no they've like pretty much always been like yellow or like tan like so why are they paper. red and like cartoons and stuff and movies? i guess it looks better on cartoons but like as far as i understand huh. it dynamite's pretty much like universally been like a yellowish color interesting um and so what's even what's weird about the whole thing with db cooper is the name db cooper was made up by the press he went he told the the gate agent that his name was dan cooper right right and yeah. then the press just like they misconstrued like it was like a misquote yeah i do remember yeah. that yeah which is so funny like his name is dan cooper right it's much I less love... enigmatic sounding yeah right than an i also love that there's like multiple occurrences during this whole like fiasco like when it was all going down where like the airport would call the Seattle Police Department because that's like where they were, right? And they'd be like, "Hey, this is what's going on," and it basically became so much of a thing where the Seattle Police Department was basically acting as an answering service for the Washington branch of the FBI, mm-hmm. and they were just like effectively every time the airport called, they were just like, "Seattle PD, please hold," and just like transferring them to the FBI. Right. And I just think that's so funny. So. No, yeah, definitely, like, a, an extremely interesting case. Um, back to the 
the the Charles Manson idea though. Like, j- just imagine like a scene of like you know, in like you know, like in like some like you know, metropolitan area of like Paris or something in like the warehouse district, and like he like locates like a uh, like you know sex trafficking like hideout that's like somehow connected to like Polanski's location, and so like it's just like a scene of like. Manson just like kicks down the door and is just like going through this warehouse and just like wasting like you know like you know like shitty like you know like gangster like sex traffic guys and like just like blowing their heads off with like <laughs> crazy practical like, effects. It, yeah, there's just like an arm mounted like rocket launcher on, on his oh body God. or something. It's basically just like RoboCop except instead of RoboCop it's Charles Manson and instead of you know <laughs> people in future detroit it's uh it's it's pedophiles modern day pedophiles i mean i I, think people would enjoy seeing pedophiles get shot and exploded that's like something that people on every walk of the political spectrum agree on i know that's what i was thinking too like you could sell this movie you could sell it like to the both side you i mean like literally Mm -hmm. you can sell it not only to like true uh to like QAnon people but then also obviously like people like us on on the opposite side and then you know action fans and you know you could also sell it to like you know the the like uh you know like progressive like women's demo because it could be like uh you know you know like a like a take your power back thing or something i also had an idea of just like for shits just like making him gay and there's like a gay sex scene between charles manson and like <laughs> some guy in europe or something Jesus, yeah just like some random like before or after the enhancements oh after yeah after Wait, what if there's like one, the majority like, of the if... movie is with the enhanced like the prologue would just the only like part like you know pre him being brought back to life is like that prologue just to kind of like establish like you know the 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 world that this takes place in. Wait, like okay, hear me out. Uh, before the enhancements, it's like kind of mentioned that he like you know might might be gay or like bisexual or something, um, and. Um, after the enhancements, when he, like, goes to hook up with someone and he, like, gets his pants taken off, he is, like, surprised that they also enhanced his penis. Right. It's, like, it extends, like, like a... Yeah. <laughs> like a hydraulic. <laughs> yeah. Just fucking yeah. going crazy. It's like, a, like, it's like when whoa. a... Bu- it's like when a bus races up. Oh, my God. Complete with the beeping sounds and everything. Like, yeah. beep, beep. Oh, I love that idea a lot. So, so yeah, that's my movie idea, Charles Manson Respawn. Look, if I was a studio exec, I would invest in that Listen, shit. Listen, I might... Like, I'm going to get A24 on the phone. I might actually write it just for fun, because, like, even though it feels like something that would never get seriously made, I feel like if I wrote it, and it was, like, genuinely, like, you know, like, a decent enough script, and, like, yeah. I submitted that to stuff, it would be, like, weird enough and, like, you know, out there and, like... It would catch their attention. Unique, yeah, unique enough that it would, like, legitimately, like, catch someone's attention who, even if they, you know, did, were like, yeah, we can't make this, but, like, you seem interesting. Would you be, you know, I'm, I'm going to be your agent or, you know, like, what about, we we have this project. Would you be interested in, like, doing a yeah, script yeah. So Yeah, that's a good, that's a good way to think of it. I like that. So coming, coming to a theater near you soon. I, I would, yeah, it's like, I feel like that movie should have, you know. In, a, in an ideal world, I would have made that movie in, like, 1980, and it would have played in, like, only, oh, like... it would have done so well. The grimiest theaters and like, you know, Times Square. 
Yeah, where there's porno theaters on every corner. Yeah. Have we talked about on the podcast? I honestly, like, I, I, like, scrub through the podcast to make sure, like, the audio is, like, decent and listenable. But, like, for, like, a podcast that not many people listen to, I don't listen to, like, the entire podcast bit by bit. You know, yeah, I just yeah. kind of, like, do an overall edit. So I don't remember i we might have talked about this on the podcast or i might have just talked about it to you like in a conversation but like back in the day you know when porn theaters were a thing like what like were were you was it was it like uh, an accepted thing that when guys went to those they were just like jacking off in their pants or like were like ideally you just supposed to get a boner and like sit there and be turned on and then like try to think about it later like what was the what was the intended uh how were you (laughs) intended to watch those what was the point you and i have definitely talked about this not on the podcast and i really think that yeah like i don't think you were actually supposed to touch yourself in the theater right like i'm pretty sure i've seen like like, movies and stuff where like you know like characters get like thrown out because of yeah, that. like you just go to the theater, you watch the material, and then later when you're home, you hope you like you just think back on it. Right. And you're like, man, that was hot when that guy was all up in her insane bush. Right, because like in the movie Taxi Driver, when the main character, he, you know, like he obviously like he's like, you know, he's not supposed to. He's like a poorly adjusted, like not normal person. But at the same time, when he goes to the porn theater they have a concession stand and like you know that's not just you know he buys concessions and then just goes in and kind of like sits there and watches it but like obviously he's supposed to be not well adjusted but again they have concession stand which like other people are are you know uh assumedly using so like wh- like are so people are just like getting concessions and sitting there eating popcorn and watching a porn yeah that's um that <laughs> I just love the idea of just watching porn on the big screen and you're just like eating some junior mints and popcorn with other people in the room like it's not yeah, a you're private just, booth you're in a theater you're all just hanging out you know you're just sitting in a room getting hor- like watching something and getting a boner with other people you know you've seen the boondock saints right uh no i haven't you actually haven't okay there's no, like a scene in like kind of a porno theater but like the kind that's like individual booths where you do jack off right um and a character goes in there and it's like there's a like shithead like gangster pedophile dude um played by ron jeremy famous porn star right um in one of those booths like jacking off and this guy walks in there and just like opens fire into every booth and like it cuts to ron jeremy as he's like watching like titties bounce on a screen and like touching himself and making horrible sounds and like just gets blown to bits and it's really entertaining that's good yeah so So i wonder if it's like that i don't yeah i don't know it's the the, that that whole aspect of culture it's both like is both something like i'm in like i'm i'm extremely like interested in uh and like captivated by just as like a general like aesthetic and like a like cultural thing but at the same time i'm also like baffled by its existence and like the purpose of it it is very uh very confusing like i um i get it like if it's a movie where it's like an actual movie to some degree you know like if it's like an exploitation movie grindhouse movie horror movie where like you know 
there's like sex scenes and boobs, but then also there's like at least some semblance of a plot, you know, of a murder, you know, slasher movie or whatever. But when it's like a movie where it's like, you know, the intent for the most part is the sex and like it being explicit, you know, for that time, like that's yeah. what I don't get. Like, cause I understand Grindhouse and like exploitation. It's like the more like ones where it was like literally just like full on soft to hardcore porn. <laughs> Yeah, like, um, when I was in New York, I went to the, uh, the Museum of Sex, mm-hmm. and, um, the first part of the museum was, uh, um, it, like, rotates, right? But, like, the first part of the museum was, um, uh, an old, like, old school stag films. Right, like, yeah. Like, old porn. Right. And, um, it didn't, like, it, I remember it kind of touched on porn theaters, but it didn't, like, go into the details of if people were supposed to just, like be horny in a room together or what right so yeah that's a topic that i've just insanely captivated by we should do some research on it and do a whole episode on it yeah maybe i will maybe i'll try to like read i'm sure there's like material on that i would be interested so maybe i'll look into do that for some time soon in the future or if yeah, anyone absolutely. has uh has any ideas about it you know obviously or has experience even, you know, if you're old enough, uh, hit us up on Twitter or, or email us or whatever. Uh, so, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, that was a that was a nice fun conversation i'm glad i thought to share my movie idea with you i hadn't even thought about sharing it on the podcast but like you know i thought that was a good time uh to to share that um i did have two topics like news topics i brought today um to talk about hit me Uh, uh first is this is out of uh everyone's least favorite island nation uh, the UK. Australia, oh. No, the UK. Uh, You're right, this that is, is my called, favorite. Uh, Man found guilty of grossly offensive Captain Tom tweet. Joseph what? Kelly found guilty of grossly offensive message about Captain Sir Tom Moore. Now, before we get into this, Austin, are you familiar with Captain Tom? No, Tom Hanks. N- no, uh, not Tom Hanks. Uh, so... This is like an incredibly like I know this this is like the most like 20 you know 2020 decade like current events like uh boomer cope bullshit. It's literally when the pandemic first started in like 2020 literally just like a like elderly uh man uh, former British Army officer who literally just would run um, bef- up, up until his 100th birthday in 2020. He just um, like ran laps, I think, I, 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 or like in his front yard mm-hmm. to raise money for like the NHS or something for like... Um, I guess because of COVID, even though it's like a pub, it's like a government-funded thing. So I don't know why 
he's raising money for it specifically. Yeah. <laughs> but it, and it was like, it was supposed to be like this feel good thing. And so like, they like knighted him and then he like croaked like literally February 2nd, 2021. So a year tomorrow. Oh my uh, God. So like, it was this very weird, like early pandemic, um, you know, obsession. Um, Wait, kind of like when all the celebrities saying, um, imagine yeah like that except this was actually like well received and all like you know all of the like uh you know civil and you know people in britain were like oh man what a what a hero what an inspiring person um i i do think it's fun to note that uh at least according to what i've read online on and i see here right now on on wikipedia um he did serve partially um in um in burma in like he was he was part of like the like uh like in in like the india sector of like the british military um i'm not sure to what extent what he was doing and how it was involved in in world war ii because it was around that time but um I, I'm not sure yeah I'm not sure what he did necessarily um, but it is somewhat curious to me that he was literally in like the colonized part of like you know mm-hmm. the, the colonizing force of the British Empire in like you know the, the, the sector of the British Empire that's job was to like rule over brown people uh, you know even in World War II so I don't know how much of his World War II service was you know the actual good parts you know, of World War Two, right. and how much of it was him like being in charge of of people, <laughs> you know, of people in um, in India, or how much of it was you know like fighting the Japanese since it was in you know Asia sector. But I I do think that's interesting. But um, so yeah, it's just this weird shit of like you know, oh, it's supposed to be a feel good story, but like at the same time, like it's kind of fucked up that it's a country in a world where a nearly hundred year old man is like running laps to try to like raise money for a hospital, you know, national health service, you know, when a, when a major pandemic is, is happening. Yeah. It's, it's like when people think it's like heartwarming for people to like have a lemonade stand. So that way a kid can afford a wheelchair. Yeah. That kind of stuff. It's like that. Like, it's not heartwarming because right. it shouldn't have to happen. It's like, yeah, it's nice that there's, like, human decency that, like, helped it, helped that kid through the shitty system. But, like, it shouldn't have to be this way. Right. It doesn't have to be this way. So, so, so the, the, this, this article is about a person who made a tweet related to Captain Tom. And he has now been found guilty by, by the British justice system. So, Joseph Kelly, 36 posted on social network Twitter on February 3rd, a day after Captain Tom died, last year that the only good Brit soldier is a dead one, bird, old fella burn. Oh my god. <laughs> Which, like, you know... <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's a pretty good... Uh, generally, you know, uh, it's a statement I can... Uh, it's a good tweet. I can stand behind for the most part. Sure. You know... At the at the most, it, it it's 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 a good tweet to send out right after someone dies to to rile people up, 
because that's always fun when 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 that happens. So, but apparently he has been found guilty of sending the grossly offensive and that's in quotations message following a trial at Lanark Sheriff Court with Sheriff Adrian Cottom saying his gratuitous insult about Sir Tom was made with only offense in mind. Sheriff Cotton told Cottom told Kelly this is a man who has become known as a national hero who stood for the resilience of the people of a country struggling with a pandemic and the services trying to protect them. His statute and the view of society towards him must be looked at in, a, in that light and therefore any comment likewise. What the accused chose to write when and how it was said can only be regarded as grossly offensive. Um, at one point, the sheriff threatened to put Kelly in the cells if he did not stop shaking his head as prosecutor Liam Haggart spoke about Sir Tom. Uh, Cameron Smith, defending, had argued that the tweet could not be described as grossly offensive. While it might be unpleasant and unsavory, uh, it did not pass the threshold. So, uh, first off, I don't know where all of those supposed free speech warriors are with this uh court case yeah and a man expressing his uh dislike for uh the british military is apparently a crime in england apparently when someone is a public figure like this uh you, it's literally illegal to be mean about them that is interesting um so uh let's see uh, one person who saw the tweet, Janet Hunter, Jess, told the court of her hurt at the message. The 72-year-old, whose family served in the armed forces, said, To see someone wishing British soldiers dead, it still hurts me. It still hurts me that anybody would disrespect someone that had given their life for their country. Uh, well, first off, uh, Major Tom or whatever uh, died at 100 in England, retired, so I wouldn't necessarily say he gave his life for his country. Yeah, and, 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 so. Unless you're going to count every COVID death as giving giving their life for their country. Uh, I don't know if he died from COVID, but, you know, whatever. Oof. That point stands. Um, and also, uh, to quote the famous um, and funny uh, Tyler the Creator tweet, uh, how is cyberbullying real? Ha ha ha. Just log just walk, off. Just, yeah, just walk away, just from, walk your away from your computer. Like literally lady. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. The tweet was mean and it hurt and it hurt a tweet about someone else. Mind you, not you or yeah. Like it doesn't affect you. She didn't even serve herself. Her family served in the armed forces who is, she, who she's being, uh, who she's, who, you know, who she's defending their honor on, on their behalf. Another person who saw the tweet, Luzier Jeffrey, Kelly's neighbor at the time, said she was shocked when she saw the message. Miss Jeffrey, state 51, stated, First of all, the gentleman in question has done had done so much to raise awareness and funds uh, for the NHS that in England and became a bit of a national hero at the time. But the fact it was... But, but then the fact it referred to British soldiers as well. If you have had anybody who fought for your country, it just left a bad taste. So to me, it seems like even to a larger extent, this is less about just this one guy, Captain Tom, and more about uh, you're not allowed to criticize or say that uh, the British military is bad uh, at all. Yeah, like that's interesting that 
It's like setting a weird precedent. Right. Um, so the charge under the Communications Act said that Kelly made a post to the public using social media that was, quote, grossly offensive or of an in- indecent, obscene, or menacing character and that did utter offensive remarks about Captain Sir Tom Moore, now deceased. Uh, Kelly has been released on bail and will appeal... Or, oh, sorry, and released on bail and will appear before the court again in March for sentencing. My God. I have no clue what the, uh, you know, statutes or whatever in terms of uh, what this person can get sentenced to by a court of law for a mean tweet. But it is incredibly interesting in this world where we have literal, you know, white supremacists and racists and, you know, uh, all sorts of bigots for England, especially fucking transphobes and turfs God, it's kind of insane uh the fact that that that's someone making fun of a dead old man who was a hundred uh and british soldiers in general is is being taken to court uh quite emblematic of the current state of uh the wretched isle itself and more proof that uh never going to be too early for it to start to submerge into the atlantic god damn <laughs> Any thoughts? Um, I respect and admire your just devout hatred for the British island. Of course. And um, again, as we've previously stated, this is toward England proper. Uh, yes. You know, of course, nothing but, uh, you know, respect for Wales and Ireland and we Scotland. We support a free and united Ireland. As well as a free uh, Scotland and a free Wales. So, uh, obviously. So, an independent um, Scotland and Wales. So, yeah, that's that. I guess if you're in England, uh, no, no, um, no, this is don't you can't ratio uh, a public figure or a political figure or you might find yourself in 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 prison or court. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. This is Major Tom to ground control. I'm stepping and I'm floating in the most peculiar way. And the stars Okay, last today, Austin, uh, news story, and you might have seen this. This came out originally on the 28th, so just a couple days ago. Have you seen this about how the uh, crisis text line... Uh, suicide uh, type hotline texting service uh, is in hot water uh, for sharing the uh, data of its you know clients and people using it uh, for uh, to an AI uh, chat service so wait so they've allowed an AI to handle it no, no, no. They are giving oh. the data of the conversations they've had with people using this crisis text line to an AI service. Oh. This, so I'll, I'll read the title and subhead of this article from Politico. Suicide Hotline shares data with for-profit spinoff raving, raising ethical questions. The crisis text line's AI-driven chat service has gathered troves of data from its conversations with people suffering life's toughest situations. 
very interesting uh, move. So it is a they are sharing it with a for profit um, spinoff company. So I'll just read some of this. Uh, so of course they are a, a prominent Crisis Text Lines, a prominent support uh, you know system, um, uh, a nonprofit that. Uh, uses big data and artificial intelligence to help people cope with traumas such as self-harm, emotional abuse, and thoughts of suicide. But the data the charity collects from its online text conversations with people in their darkest moments does not end there. The organization's for-profit spinoff used a sliced and repackaged version of that information to create and market customer service software. Crisis Text Line says any data it shares with the company loris.ai has been wholly quote anonymized stripped of any details that could be used to identify people who contain who contacted the helpline in distress both entities say their goal is to improve the world in loris's case by making quote customer support more human empathetic and scalable oh good in turn, Loris has pledged to share some of its revenue with Crisis Text Line. The nonprofit also holds an ownership stake in the company, and two entities share the same CEO or shared the same CEO for at least a year and a half. The two call their relationship a model for how commercial enterprise can help charitable endeavors thrive. Uh, it, it goes on, but you know, basically, uh, Crisis Text Line was taking at least some amount of the conversations they had with you know in distress people dealing with mental health situations and sold it to a for-profit or sold it or at least exchanged it for some you know un unspecified or you know non-monetized uh, agreement or or payment to this for-profit company to that makes customer service support so they're using the data of mentally you know distressed people to, uh to 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 be able to better market their customer support that's really smart and really cool I like how they 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 you know crisis text line in defense is saying like oh we anon we made it anonymous so you don't have to worry about you know you you being identified when we sell it or give it to this uh, company ch using it for uh, customer support marketing when like I don't think I mean that that is a issue so I mean at least it's staying anonymous but also the bigger issue here I think is m more that you are selling uh, people's distress to be used for marketing data. <laughs> Like, it's, it's like I almost see why they would do this, right? Like, if you're trying to do better customer service, but this is where, not... better to, where better to find people in crisis right. than that, but like... But at the same time, it's literally exploiting and, and, and you know, datafying, I don't think that's a word, but I'm going to use it, datafying people's, uh, you know reaching out for, right. for 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 mental health support for you know marketing research for for you know consumer data to be used to turn a profit it's like if you're if if your therapist you know started recording your sessions and 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 giving it to to google to to give you better more more attuned uh instagram ads <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. 
I, I brought this up because then I saw on Twitter today, apparently uh, this is some checkmark lady on Twitter, Dana Boyd, who works at Microsoft Research and is also on the board of Crisis Text Line. She tweeted out a series of th things saying, uh, many people are asking us to account for our decisions. To do so, I wrote a blog post uh, <laughs> detailing my ongoing struggle to govern responsibility and ethic <laughs> response to govern responsibly and ethically. Uh, and it's a big ass long blog post that I won't read, but she goes on to tweet a little while ago. Crisis text line also announced that we ended our data sharing agreement with Loris. I was wrong when I agreed to this relationship. While this change or this change is important and necessary, there are many unresolved questions about how to ethically serve people in crisis. These are the top of my mind for me right now. Well, first off, I would say uh, the best way to serve people in crisis is to not then trivialize their uh, mental health struggles and and crisis moments uh, as market research that you're selling. <laughs> yeah, this is a fucking hell world we live in. But these are her top. You want to hear her top concerns, or top, uh, for for questions for how to ethically serve people. Yeah, yeah, hit me. What is the best way to balance the implicit consent of users in crisis with other potential beneficial uses of data, which they likely will not have intentionally consented to, but which can help them or others? So, uh, even. Why can't like, how I... is this gonna help? Even though these people didn't say it was okay to right. use. Yeah. How how can I uh, how can I normalize people not consenting to me selling their data because it's for the better it, it'll it's for the betterment of them it's even if the they don't good. even if they don't agree or or know I'm doing this you know I mean I I think people at the NSA are asking that question every day Austin. Obviously, yeah. I mean, I think I think. You know, Snowden had no business in telling them how to run their business. I know. They, they were just trying to do uh, what could help the U.S. population and others, even if they did not intentionally consent to it. <laughs> uh, and she says, given that people come to us in their darkest moments, can slash should we enable research on the, trace, on the uh, traces that they produce? If so, how should this be structured? Uh, I'd say no. Uh... <laughs> Uh, is there any structure in which lessons learned from a nonprofit service provider can be transferred to a for-profit entity? Also, how might this work with partner organizations, foundations, you know, government sponsors, etc.? Uh, uh, I would say the only way in which that's even a semblance of right, and even when, in which case, I would still say it's a gross. Uh, uh, example of the commodification of 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 human emotion and and life in a capitalist society even the, okay with that in mind the only way i could see this being somewhat ethically justifiable is if it was a survey or some sort of intentional like you know how did we do can you know what is your feedback to us mm -hmm. that even then i am still very uh you know I have my reservations and critiques of it, but at least it's being uh, consented to. But anything other than that is, again, is a gross uh, violation of the, the implicit trust of, of a crisis line. Yeah, I mean, this whole thing is so fucked. Like, I, I really, I, I can't imagine, like, 
finding out about this as like if you were someone who had texted a crisis line yeah and you find out about this yeah i mean i think i had it i i'm i've used a lot of these things to know real success you know in the past and you know when i've when i you know with my struggles but you know yeah i mean i don't know if i've used i can't remember i probably have though because it's like the major like text-based one yeah Um, especially you know which nowadays with you know people feeling more comfortable texting rather than having to talk you know with anxiety and whatnot uh yeah i mean there's the untold probably hundreds of thousands if not millions of of americans that this uh you know who whose trust was violated right uh this last one I, i i really like what can better community engagement and participatory decision-making in this context look like? How do we engage people to think holistically about the risks to life that we are balancing and that are shaping our decisions? Uh, I mean, I think it would be easier if you just had someone with um, a general sense of human empathy uh, yeah. who's not a uh, Silicon Valley uh, sociopath uh, on your board or, or, you know, decision-making team, I'd start there. Uh, let's start there and then we'll, we'll, we'll go from there once we get that baseline established. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I just wanted to bring that up just because it, I, I, I read that the other day and I was just, um, you know, I was less, you know, obviously like it's infuriating, but you know, I, I wasn't, I, I'll say I wasn't so shocked when I read it. I was, no, it's not surprising. I was, yeah, I was um, disappointed, uh, but not shocked. And also just kind of almost in a macabre sense, uh, you know, just kind of like found it humorous. Just that, it, you know, it's just this such a uh, dark violation of, of, of trust in what you think would be human decency that it's almost like comical to the you know extent that it's just like, Oh wait, that's wrong. We shouldn't do this. Oh. Yeah, like how can you be that fucking disconnected? Like, come on. It's kind of like the baseline, uh, you know, idea of of modern therapy and psychiatry as to you know, it not be exploitative of my. I mean, of any medicine. I mean, we have uh, you know, like stuff like HIPAA and uh, you know, things in dealing with you know doctor-patient confidentiality for a reason. Right, like, that's a whole thing. Obviously, this isn't a doctor, it's a crisis line, but, I mean, why would you not think it should be held to the same standards? Either you are intentionally just completely ignorant to, you know, basic, basic, you know, ethicality, or you are, you know, uh, masking your malicious, you know, in intent and, and, and willingness to exploit, which is probably more the... Uh, the the real answer you're masking it in this this fake uh, ignorance ignorance yeah yeah so yeah uh, a bit of a bit of a downer last topic there but uh i don't know i thought it was important to uh to bring up yeah no i mean i'm i'm glad you told us about it i told me about it ask yourself this question do you want to be rich Austin, uh, that brings us to the 
end of today's episode. Another week in the bag. Uh, hey, we survived. Another week down. Before we go, um, before we go, I, I do want to say, uh, if you enjoy uh, this podcast, just to let you know, I will be appearing next week on the Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, <laughs> he's brought me on as uh, his uh, new, I'm a new vaccine expert. He's bringing on the podcast. So make sure to check that out on Spotify next week. I've got some really groundbreaking um, new findings you're gonna want to hear about how you don't need to take the vaccine what you should really be doing uh you're gonna want to save up all of your uh your bowel um excretions all of your feces you're gonna want to save that up for about a week because you want an entire week cycle worth of nutrition uh, you want your kind of standard week cycle of, of, of byproduct. And once you have that all saved up, you grind that up, you blend it up, um, and then you have this kind of what I like to refer to as a vital essence of, of what is in your core being. And if you drink that, it reinvigorates your body with those vital essences um, oh. And then you eat what you normally eat during the week, so then it's like you have double amount of vital essence. Interesting. It's kind of like perpetual motion, but for 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 human uh, biology and human nutrition, as well as uh, for 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 defending against um, infections and viruses. So to hear more about that, make sure to listen to me next week on the Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> you know, don't tell us all the secrets because we want to give people right. A well, that's to just the tip of the iceberg. Oh, you shit. know, I get into a lot of even deeper stuff you're gonna what you can do with human semen is gonna blow your mind oh i can't wait uh any any final thoughts for for the episode austin i'm just excited to hear you talk about semen with joe rogan Uh, me too um also i would like everyone to be reminded that jojo siwa is two inches taller than joe rogan really yes i'm pretty sure i think she has like a dance studio like I I won't say how near, but like, fairly near where I live. Oh yeah, I believe it. I got uh, nothing but respect for her. I'll be honest. She seems like a, a nice young lady. Like she, I feel like she deserves what she has. You know. Sure. All right. Well. Um, anyway. That's the end of the episode. Shout out to JoJo Siwa. Shout out to Cyborg Charles Manson. And we'll see you next time on Explaining to Austin. America's number one hit sitcom.